that is not goalkeeping. Goalkeeping is not the 15 second save that you see on the, on the Instagram. It's, it's hard work. It's, it's refining the fundamentals and the fundamentals and consistency is what is going to take you very far. And welcome back to a new episode of the Gloves On podcast. We're your host, Marcus Sondin, and alongside me is Alexander Brams, as usual. And we are joined today by goalkeeper at Oklahoma City Energy FC, Cody Lorendi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. And thank you guys for the time. And really excited to, to have a nice chat. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. We're going to talk a little bit about your professional career, your background in this episode today. And as many know, developing a professional career is all about hard work and dedication to to the game, right? And especially us as goalkeepers, also to the position. Um, can you talk a little bit about how it is to develop yourself into the professional career and how it is to step into the game? Because it's a hard industry, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. I think uh, generally, um, the position is not one that's dominated by younger talent. Now I know that is changing. Um, I, I think uh, players, goalkeepers are getting their opportunity um, sooner in their careers. Um, my personal story has been one of perseverance and persistence. Um, I, I like to break it down to it's hard to beat the guy that never quits. And I, I, I feel as if I encapsulate that. Um, it takes uh, an incredible, an incredible amount of hard work just to stay in the game. Um, a lot of uh, of self belief, self discipline. Um, again, not just in goalkeeping, but in life in general. Uh, all these things are are, are pillars to success, right? Um, but when it comes to goalkeeping, and especially in in the U.S., um, it takes years and years and years of developing trust in decision makers, right? Um, coaches, front office staff, you know, a lot of times in this business, people will do you wrong. And uh, that's, that, that, that's not being um, dramatic. That's being realistic. Um, you have to really make sure that you don't approach things in an emotional manner because those same people that you interact with um, could be the decision maker for your career the following season. So these are all things that I've gone through that I've learned. Uh, some I've learned the hard way. Um, but as far as, as far as creating a career and building a career, it's you're stacking year on top of year on top of year, hard work day in and day out, showing up early, leaving late, going above and beyond all these things that are a requirement, uh, to, to have any sort of success. Um, and, and goalkeeping and, and creating a goalkeeping career is no different. Yeah, you, you say it perfectly yourself because it's not only about the, the soccer business as, as we are in, it's also about, if you can say it, the real world out there. Mm -hmm. It's about how we develop ourselves as a person as well. And, and when you were saying that, I was actually thinking about myself, how grateful I am to, to soccer and and goalkeeping because it's made me the person I am today because showing up to practice every single day of the week, going to games in the weekend, 
is about dedication and you work in the weekdays, putting in the hard work so you can perform in the weekdays, right? And it's Absolutely. exactly the same you need in a in an actual job, if you can say like that, if, if people out there don't see at least as an actual job. But it's about staying dedicated and staying persistent with what you're doing in order to, to grow as a person and, and in our situation also to grow as a player. 100%, 100%. I think, uh, I think a, a good bit of advice, and I, I believe Javier uh, uh, Lanzo's father in his book quoted uh, or was quoted by saying, when things are going great, right, uh, you're, you're not a genius. And when things aren't going so great, you're not a failure. Right. So I, I heard that I heard that long, long ago um, or a variation of that, if you will. And basically what it's telling you is, uh, you know, in your career, you're going to have great games. You're going to have not so great games. Right. You're going to be some will say you're the reason that the team got the points on the weekend. And some will say you're the reason they lost. Can you instead of doing this right with your emotions, can you keep it even keel? Right. So you're never a genius when things are great. And you're never a failure when things are things are not so great. Um, I've taken that in, into into the career, coupled with the relentless perseverance and persistence, and been able to kind of navigate my my, my way through uh, through this industry. Isn't that also how you want to perform? Like you don't want a, or you do want a ten out of ten game, but. You, then you don't want a three out of ten game. You want like a an eight mm -hmm. out of ten game every time. Having that yes. persistence, uh, yes. and that's what coaches want as well. I've heard and I <laughs> noticed that uh, they want someone that is reliable and they can count on and have that. You don't need a fantastic game every time. You just need to basically do your job and then save the points. Mm -hmm. That's what my coach in I went to college in Los Angeles, and he said, Alex. I don't need you to make that top corner save every time, but I need you right. to save what you have to save. Correct. Correct. And that was just brilliant advice. I, I have, I have that same similar conversation with the kids. I do uh, some youth coaching as well with goalkeepers. And obviously the, 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 the times that we're living in now, what do you see? You see the, the Instagram clip, right. Of the top corner, top bin save, right. Mm. The, that is not the reality. That is not the reality. Like you, Alex, you hit it on the head. It's save what you're supposed to save and you will have a long career. If someone put, yeah. puts one top stanch on me, look, fair play, that's football, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if something's going through my legs, if I'm catching, if something's going through my hands, right? That Because I'm so concerned about, about the, the photo opportunity or the video opportunity of me making that top bin save. Exactly. You're not gonna, you're not gonna have a career. You're not gonna have, you're, you're not gonna last. So mm -hmm. that, it, that's, that's something that I hope gets across to the, to the younger listeners or any, it doesn't matter, younger or older. That is not goalkeeping. Goalkeeping is not the 15 second save that you see on the, on the Instagram. It's, no. it's hard work. It's, it's refining the fundamentals and the fundamentals and consistency is what is going to take you very far. Yeah, is, uh, that is, is spot on and exactly what I meant. Yeah, Marcus, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm, I was just trying to say, especially... Uh, talking about us as, as goalkeepers, right? Because it's about consistency and being reliable because you want your team to be confident in you, having you, behi having you behind them, right? So 
Correct. Your defenders, for example, want to rely on you and also have the confidence in that if they slip up once in a while, that you'll be there in order to save them. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's about building trust. And how do you build trust? Through consistency, right? Um, one thing that I've tried to always tell you know, my, my, my defenders is you always have me. I will always put myself in a position to, to bail you out, to be available for you. Um, and that, that may limit some anxiety that also may free up their playing style where it's, you know, okay. We always have, we always, we always have Cody as an outlet, right. Or he's always there. And I, I verbalized that over and over to them during the game because I feel at the goalkeeping position, right. It's a, such a complex position. It, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a unique position in a team sport, right? It's an outlier in a team sport, if you will. Um, I, I know that I've done my work during the week to prepare myself as best as possible. Now, how can I give more of myself to my teammate to allow them to perform at or above their, their level? And that, that's true. Uh, that, that, that's what I feel as a true teammate by always being available. Hey, look, you need a back pass? Give it to me. I don't care. It, okay. You, you need to kind of zing one in at you. No problem. I'll deal with it. Right. Putting those teammates at ease. I've found, and by making, by making myself available to them ha has, has allowed those players to play more free, which allows them to play better. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant advice. So that has to do with communicating, as you said, just to sum up, it's communicating and being available at mm -hmm. all times. Yep. Correct. And yep. being making sure that they know that you are there yep. the whole time. So that's the advice for the listeners out there. Let Correct. your whole let the whole field, let the crowd know that you are available for your teammates and that you are supportive. Uh the last line of defense, the first Correct. line of attack. Uh and yeah, it's just, we, that, we play, listen, we play, yeah. we play a selfless position on the field, right? Defenders, uh, goalkeepers, defensive midfielders, right? We're the ones who have to put our bodies in the way, bodies on the line, the work rate for the team. And I'm not, but I'm not taking anything away from the strikers, right? But it, the strike, if you're a striker, right, you should be selfish, Right. You should be the one who wants to take the take the shot. You should be the one that wants to, you know, you know, bury X amount of goals per, per season or what you know, what have you. The defenders, the goalkeepers, defensive midfielders, those are the those are the workhorses of the team. And those are the ones that cannot have they, they cannot have the ego, right, of a selfish player. They have to be selfless in their in their approach to the game. They cannot be a prima donna, they cannot have the Again, that word ego. Again, you cannot have the ego, right? Of uh, you know, I'm the I'm the greatest thing ever. No, you have to. Mm -hmm. it, it is a self-giving, self-emptying uh, position. And that's funny that you say that because all the the divas, all the prima donnas, they that we see from the professional world, they are the offensive people. It's not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe Sergio Ramos, but he's still such a team player. But. Correct. But he can, he also backs it up with his hundred goals or whatever he has now. It's right. amazing. Uh, right. But otherwise, it's all the all the offensive people and the more selfless players, as you say, is in the back. Exactly. All right, Cody. Taking it a bit back, can you tell us the story of how you became a professional footballer? Absolutely. It's definitely not the. It's it's 
pretty unique. Um, born and raised in Melbourne, Florida. Um, parents originally from New York. I was, uh, dad came down for work. Um, and then I was born shortly after, 1988. Um, spent every birthday uh, up until 18 in, in, in Melbourne. Um, decided to, to take a scholarship at a junior college um, by the name of South Georgia College um, to go play soccer. Initially, um, I was a punter in high school for American football, so I was planning on going to college for American football. Um, Soccer kind of was my first love. And in late in the recruiting process, I was offered a opportunity to, to go play at this junior college. So I took it. Um, with the American football system, they wanted you to walk on and earn a scholarship and there was no guarantees. So um, I was able to go play my freshman season at, uh, at this junior college. Um, and I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't eating correctly. I wasn't going to class as I should. Uh, I, will, I gained a lot of weight. Um, still playing soccer, but again, on, off the field, doing the wrong things. Um, wasn't in a position I thought at that time, um, long-term where I, I think this would be a good place for me. So made a decision to move back home, back to Florida. And I got a regular job, worked a nine to five at an architectural firm. Um, and it was to this day, the best motivation to continue playing that I've ever had, um, going to do something uh, for a paycheck, something that you're not passionate about, um, I was able to uh, get that firsthand uh, knowledge very early. I was still, I think I was still 18 around that time, yeah, because I only spent a semester up at uh, South Georgia. So I come back to, to Melbourne, I'm working this nine to five, I'm trying to get back in shape, and uh, a coach of mine that I played for out of Orlando by the name of David Bardsley, who himself has had over 30 caps for the England national team, um, had, had let me know about this opportunity in Belgium. Um, through a connection that he had, there was, a, there, there was an Englishman who purchased a club, third division club at the time, um, in Liège, Belgium, called uh, Racing Montagnier. Um, the concept was to go over there, um, to go to school, so we're able to stay... Um, stay eligible, if you will, um, from, a, from a college standpoint, um, and then play and train, uh, play on the weekend, but train day in and day out, living to, in close quarters together, um, and getting uh, you know, really firsthand professional experience. So I spent two and a half years there. We played against you know, older, older guys, you know, guys who have retired, guys who had played in, I don't know what the Belgian league is called now, but it used to be the Jupiler League. Um, played against guys who have, who have played in the Bundesliga. Um, really was outside of my comfort zone, uh, learning a new language, monetary system, uh, dealing with new weather. I was, like I said, I'm from Florida, so I've never dealt with the winter. Um, so all those things combined, uh, you know, away from your family, for two years, missing birthdays, holidays, right? Um, life events, you know, you really find out, and I, and I credit this experience a lot too. Yes, it was loads of fun, but at the same time, it really kind of made me take stock in, do I like the idea of being a professional or do I, am I actually willing to put the hours in, put the work in, 
miss things, right? Miss out on things uh, to kind of fulfill this ultimate goal of, of being a professional uh, soccer player. And my peers that we were with, because there was other kids from America and Canada and throughout the, throughout the globe that were there, you saw it. You saw the ones who were willing to do the graft, willing to get down to business. And you saw the ones who just thought it was a great idea to say that they were a professional soccer player. So spent two and a half years there. Uh, then I move on down to Puerto Rico. Um, played for the, the team called the Puerto Rico Islanders who competed in the NASL. Um, that was an awesome experience. Spent those three years mostly as a backup. We were able to play in the CONCACAF Champions League. We were able to play uh, against MLS sides, uh, Caribbean sides. So that was, a, that, that was an experience in itself that was fantastic. Was that, a, was that your first contract, professional contract? or? Yeah, so everything, everything prior to Puerto Rico was under the table. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. It was performance-based. <laughs> yeah, it's perfor it was performance-based stuff. It okay. was, here's, a, here's a, you know, a, an envelope with a couple hundred euros in it because we won the match today or something like that. Okay, interesting. Um, so how old were you when you signed it in Puerto Rico? I was 20. 20, 20, 21, 21. Okay. 21. Awesome. Yeah. So All 21. Right. Um, and like I had mentioned, I was, uh, spent most of those, that those three years as a backup. Um, if we talked about it early on, uh, showing up early, staying late, basically being can cannon fodder for the guys who, uh, you know, needed the extra reps, extra shots on goal. And, you know, kind of gotten to the point where there's no, there's no secret about it. It just, I got better through repetition. I got better through just being there. Um, we had a fantastic, a fantastic locker room in the sense where we had the established professional and then we had the young hungry uh, player who wanted to make a name for themselves. So the, I, I, I categorize myself in this group, obviously, and I was a sponge to this group. I was probably annoying at times, but I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know everything about, you know, the 32 to 35 year old who has MLS playing experience, who just played in Mexico last year. I want to know, tell me about this. How do you, how do you go about your day to day? What's your routine like? And it, you know, I was open, I was open to, to, to listening. And I think that's another massive, massive aspect is you get in those locker rooms, right? As a young guy, or even as an old guy, there's, there's things that you can learn from your teammates, find the most, find, find, you know, the, 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 the guy in the room who has been there the longest and pick his brain, pick his brain, ask. There's, there, there's no, there should be no shame in that, right? This is a collaborative effort, you know, find out what, what makes this guy tick, find out where he has tripped up in his career, find out where he has found success and emulate that. You know, it's, it's, it's no secret. It's like, there's things that I picked up during my time there, those three years that I still to this day utilize. So again, can't speak highly enough uh, about that experience. So I move on after those three years, uh, the team folds, which is in itself an American, uh, a footballing, an American footballing, uh, uh, conversation, if you will, the amount of teams that have been here one, one year leaving the next. Um, move on to the Fort Lauderdale strikers, um, spent a year there, uh, unfortunately got injured pretty, pretty badly. I lacerated a kidney, took a knee in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I spent the next 
the next 10 months with a, um, what's called a nephrostomy tube, a literal tube out of my kidney into a bag and it would clip this bag underneath my, my belt, belt loops. So that was that in itself, that experience, I do not wish that on my worst enemy. It was extremely painful and, but we got through it. We got through it. And, um, that was, that was around 2013. So going into the 2014 season without a contract, I am fully healthy now scrolling through social media, scrolling through on, on this bad boy, uh, scrolling, scrolling through Twitter and a gentleman by the name of Carlos Bocanegra, um, who at the time was Captain America. He, he was the captain of the national team. Um, he, is just, he just came back uh, from abroad. He signed with an MLS franchise. He's from California. He's promoting a camp, a pay your own way camp, right? To, to Upland, California, where he has this indoor facility. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, nobody's calling, nobody's calling for my services as a goalkeeper. Uh, take, a, take a chance on yourself. Um, and, and mind you, this is after my fourth year as a professional, right? So that's, that kind of maybe gives you a little insight in terms of how this works here in America. Um, so pay my own way, pay my own flight, rent my own car, my own hotel, fly across country cause I'm in Florida, right? So fly out to LA three days and it was the best, one of the better things that I've ever done. Um, because I was the only player out of 40 or 50 players that had any professional experience. Um, showed well, I had a couple people that were in my corner in terms of coaches that I, I knew um, that, you know, pushed the, the decision makers in that uh, to say, hey, you know, give this guy a shot. I spent the next three consecutive weekends flying back and forth from LA or from Orlando to LA, Orlando to LA, Orlando to LA. Um, first weekend was the in was performing at the invite combine. Then I went to another combine the next week um, with the LA Galaxy, and the LA Galaxy at that point said, "Hey, you know, we we value what you bring to the table. We're going to start a USL franchise. We'd like you to be a part of it. Can you fly back here to be uh, part of preseason next week?" How is like on top of the world, absolutely on top of the world. So fly back to Orlando, get a call from Bruce Arena, uh, arguably, arguably the best U.S. coach we've ever produced. And Bruce says, hey, we want you to come into to preseason with the first team. And when I tell you the emotions, right, that flood, that flood over you and my family at that point, within a year's time, I was in a hospital with, the, you know, the, the kidney injury to receiving a phone call from Bruce Arena asking for me to hop back on a plane the next day and fly out to preseason. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was one of the, I mean, I'm standing in, in my kitchen of my family's family's house in Florida and we're hugging and we're crying and, you know, we're kind of emotional people to begin with the Italians and the Irish, right. Which is, which is what I am. And we're hugging and we're, you know, this is the best thing ever crying and everything. So I get to get an opportunity with, with the galaxy. I earn a contract with galaxy two. Um, one of the better things that happened during that season was they always needed a fourth goalkeeper for the, for the first team training and they would call me. So I'd be able to go train with the first team. So I trained with Landon, I trained with Robbie Keane, all these big names, um, got a ton of experience, 
Um, I got about 20, 20 games under my belt that year. Um, after that season, I moved on to a team in Austin, Austin, Texas. Um, good experience there. Enjoyed the city a lot. Um, we weren't necessarily successful on the field. Um, I only got a handful of games, a handful of matches that season. But it definitely set me up to move on from Austin to where I am at now, uh, Oklahoma City. And I have just completed my fifth year as the goalkeeper for the Oklahoma City Energy. And now we're here. Well, Cody, that, that's, <laughs> that's some story if you ask me. And a true example of what we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, hard work and dedication, right? Mm-hmm. Because you showed that nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of bumps along the way and you needed to go through all these obstacles in order to get what you actually deserved at the end, but only through hard work and dedication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you are as a, as a steady player at a great level in America. And even we can take it further on to talk about you playing for your national team as well, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. Yes. How was it from, for you to, to obviously, first of all, get the call up? Uh, I assume, I know in Denmark, it's where the national team coach call the players and ask them, mm-hmm. not ask them, but say you are elected to the, to the national team for the next coming games. But also for you with this background and this story about earning your professional contract and getting a career started after a, a tough start to then mm-hmm. play for a national team. How was it? Uh, on top of the world. I think, um, you know, to, to be in that, uh, percentage of people that are able to represent a nation, man, I get, I get goosebumps thinking about it now for, for the record, uh, for whatever this is worth, I am not Puerto Rican by, by, by heritage. Um, Puerto Rico is a commonwealth of the United States. And since I spent three years there and lived there, uh, and I was able to prove it right to their, to their national government, you know, through, through, uh, we'll say receipts, right? Uh, housing or, or W-2s, what have you. Um, I'm able to re- represent them uh, on an international stage. And the culture in Puerto Rico, look, they have, they're big with, with, with basketball, obviously baseball um, and, and volleyball. Those are, those are pretty big sports down there. Now, soccer, um, you would think with the Spanish influence, it would be bigger. Um, not the case necessarily, but it is growing. So, so my role, I, I view my role in, in this um, to, to kind of up the, the uh, exposure, if you will, for Puerto Rican football. Um, I, I have enjoyed my experience. It's been three, four years now that I've been able to represent them on a national stage um, with, with FIFA coming in and, and, and CONCACAF coming in and pushing more money towards these Caribbean islands where there is talent um, and, and, and doing the, these nation league games, right? And getting, getting players kind of in a spotlight to, to move off the island and, 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 and get more professional opportunities, I think is a great thing. Um, so I, I have nothing but the most honor and, and, and feelings of joy when I represent, when I represent the national team. Um, I've had experiences. We, we played a friendly in Indonesia in front of 
close to 40,000 people. Um, we've played in, uh, in India, you know, we've played these, these, these nation league games as well, where we go down, I got, I got an opportunity to play against my teammate, my current teammate, um, uh, down in St. Kitts, uh, and, and Nivis, uh, a gentleman by the name of Atiba Harris. So we get to play, we get to play against one another. Um, but again, all these experiences, uh, in, in football are why I love it so much is because you're, you're sharing a locker room with people that have, you know, 20 plus different stories, but you come together in, 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 uh, in search or, uh, of, of a, of a, of a goal of a singular goal, right? Um, you get to go travel and play at these, these unique places, right? And, and learn different cultures, right? And you find out at the end of the day, we're more alike than we are different, right? And that, that's, a, that's a big takeaway from international football that I've, that I've have absolutely loved. Yeah, that's another brilliant story of your hardworking career. And it's just inspiring to, to listen to all this and I hope that the listeners really take into account that even though you don't have a professional contract at 20, 21, mm -hmm. you can still go ahead, keep trying, keep going. Uh, even if you're at a junior college, you can still exactly. go ahead and pass your way. There's examples of many guys who've taken ex examples like you and also many other guys uh, that has taken a bumpy road on the way. Hopefully I will be one of those guys as well. We'll Absolutely. see in the future. Um, <laughs> but it, hey, it's, it, it's hard now, to beat. It's hard to beat the guy that never quits. Yeah. That, that's, that, that, that's it, man. That's it. That's it. Look, you, you continue, you continue to do well by people. You continue to, to keep an attitude of uh, a mindset of growth instead of a fixed mindset. I believe mm -hmm. in all of these things and I hope I'm, I, I, I I'm proof positive that these things work, right? Not, you know, not, I don't know it all. I'll never know it all. I'll never be, never be, um, I'll never figure out the goalkeeping position uh, totally. Um, and I'm okay with that. I like the, 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 the chase, if you will, of tr trying to, to, you know, become, you know, uh, a master at it, which none of us mm -hmm. will ever be a master at, at this position, but that's, that's part of it. Um, but yeah, it's hard to be the guy that never quits, man. It is. It is. And, and talking about that, we just had in an earlier episode, we were talking about continuous development mm -hmm. and how can you continuously develop and how do you do that? And you have to be, as you said, you're chasing the kind of the uncertainty about the position mm -hmm. and how, how do you keep being motivated and keep wanting to learn and blah, 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 all that to... Yes to have this continuous development because it's so important. And whenever you, you think you know it all, you're, you don't, and you're, you're done basically. You're done. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to, you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. So since this podcast is called gloves on Cody, what are your favorite gloves, gloves and why? Oh, I got to support uh, my sponsor, keep air, um, the boss Whiteout. Edition. Mm -hmm. I've I've rocked these gloves for about seven years now. Um, nothing spectacular about them. It's it's a, sim a simple white glove, roll finger, size mm -hmm. eleven. That's my go-to, man. That's my go-to. Yeah, you do look like a like a big 
<laughs> key brand. A size 11 definitely backs that up. That's uh, me, yeah. yeah. Cody, thank you so much for taking your time to being with us today. Guys, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks again, Cody. And for you guys out there listening to this podcast, make sure to leave a review if you like it. And if you have any guests or comments that you want us to to have on, DM us. You can DM on me on Danish Goalkeeping. You can DM Marcus on Goalkeeper Dane. And of course, go follow Cody Lorendi. That was a brilliant episode we had today. Go follow Gloves on Podcast on your favorite so, uh, social media platform. And we will catch you on the next episode of Gloves on. Mm-hmm.